This is the Read and Rant Podcast. What we essentially do here is we spend time in the reading of the word. We read the word for about 20 to 30 minutes, and then we spend a few moments reflecting on the word. And it's really, it's not a Bible study in any way. It's just a meditation. It's just a reflection. It's a time where we're reading the word and hearing what God has to say to us concerning um, concerning us, concerning him, concerning his will, concerning his mission, concerning his heart, and we can find revelation in that in the word, but more specifically to engage with him with the help of the Holy Spirit as we spend time in the reading of the word. I commit this because I believe that one of the most transformative things or the most transformative endeavor for the believer, aside from prayer, is spending time in reading the word. Like if you just read the Bible, not hear what somebody has to say. Good to see you, James. That's my brother right there. Um, but not not hearing what 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 somebody tells you about the what the word says or to get the little piecemeal word that you get every sunday when you come and get a word but rather just spend time just sit down and read the word um, if anything you don't even need to hang for the rant that's not what we're here for i just want to read the word with you just to show you something okay i'm just trying to show you something i want you to see something and what i want you to see is is that if you just spend 20 to 30 minutes every day reading the word just 20 to 30 minutes every day just reading Okay, you don't even have to, it doesn't have to all make sense. Just read it. You can get through a lot of Bible. Okay, we've had weeks off. We've had many days off. Um, but even when we did that, even through all of that, y'all, we've gone through the entire New Testament. And now we're going through the entire Old Testament from Genesis all the way to now Isaiah chapter 18. And today we're going to be reading Isaiah chapter 18. And what I hope is that when you read the scriptures in its totality, you begin to read each and every verse on the backdrop of the scriptures in its totality. You begin to see, hold on. This is what the verse really means because you're reading the verse within the context of the totality of the scripture, not just in its little vacuum. And so I am profoundly encouraged by how this has transformed a lot of you. A lot of you are saying, man, I'm seeing the Bible differently. I'm seeing God's word differently. And if that's it, listen, that's already a W and that's already a win. And so I want to encourage you. And if you, if this is your first time here, first time listening, first time participating in this, you know, subscribe to the Read and Rant podcast. Um, it's available to you on um, all the podcast platforms. Subscribe to the Read and Rant podcast. I want to encourage you as well. If you want to support what we're doing, listen, become a patron. Okay, support me on Patreon. Um, all the links are in the bio, okay? And also, if you just want to stay connected and get a word every morning, um, based off of what we do here in the Read and Rant, if you want to get a word, um, just a little quick synopsis of that, I want to encourage you also to text me. Text me at 954-231-1848. 954-231-1848. All of it is in the link in the bio. It's all in the link in the profile. So I want to encourage you to do that. So as we read, we're asking three questions. God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? God, what are you revealing concerning people? And God, what are you revealing concerning me? That's it. We're going to pray with that understanding, with that awareness, and posture ourselves to hear from God. Father, I ask as we read your word today, Lord, that you would speak to us. Lord, reveal to us your will. Reveal to us your heart. Give us conviction where we need conviction. Exhort us, Lord, where we need to be built up. Help us, Lord, where we need help. Convict us and correct us. And Father, we just give you glory for what will transpire even in this moment. We bless your name and we thank you. We say that in Jesus' name.
Amen. Isaiah chapter 18. I'll be reading. You can read with me as well. Verse 1. Woe to the land shadowed with buzzing wings, which is beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, which sends ambassadors by sea, even in vessels of reed on the water, saying, Go swift, messengers, to a nation, sorry, go swift, messengers, to a nation tall and smooth of skin, to a people terrible from their beginning onward, a nation powerful and treading down, whose land the rivers divide. All inhabitants in the world and dwellers on the earth, when he lifts up a banner on the mountains, you see it. When he blows a trumpet, you hear it. For so the Lord said to me, I will take my rest and I will look from my dwelling place like a like clear heat in sunshine, like cloud of dew in the heat of harvest. For before the harvest, when the bud is perfect and the sour grape is ripening in the flower, he will both cut off the sprigs with pruning hooks and take away and cut down the branches. They will be left together for the mountain birds of prey and for the beasts of the earth, for the birds of prey will summer on them and all the beasts of the earth will winter on them. In that time, a present will be brought to the Lord of hosts from a people tall and smooth of skin and from a people terrible from their beginning onward, a nation powerful and treading down, whose land, whose land the rivers divide, a place of the name of the Lord of hosts to Mount Zion. Verse hmm. 1 in chapter 19, the burden against Egypt. Behold, the Lord rides on a swift cloud and will come into Egypt. The idols of Egypt will totter at its presence and the heart of Egypt will melt in its midst. I will set Egyptians against Egyptians. Everyone will fight against his brother and everyone against his neighbor. Hmm. City against city, kingdom against kingdom. The spirit of Egypt will fall in its midst. I will destroy their council and I will consult the idols and the charmers, the mediums and the sorcerers. And the Egyptians I will give into the hand of a cruel master and a fierce king will rule over them, says the Lord the Lord of hosts. The waters will fall from the sea and the river will be wasted and dried up. The rivers will turn foul. The brooks of defense will be emptied and dried up. The reeds and rushes will wither. The papyrus reeds by the river, by the mouth of the river, and everything sown by the river will wither, be driven away, and be no more. The fishermen will also mourn, and those who lament will cast hooks into the river and they will anguish who <clears throat> spread nets on the waters. Moreover, those who work in fine flax and those who weave fine fabric will be ashamed and its foundations will be broken. All who make wages will be troubled of soul. Surely the princes of Zoan are fools. Pharaoh's wise counselors give foolish counsel. How do you say to Pharaoh, I am the son of the wise, the son of ancient kings. Where are they? Where are your wise men? Let them tell you now and let them know what the Lord of hosts has purposed against Egypt. The princes of Zoan have become fools. The princes of Noph are deceived. 
They have also deluded Egypt, those who are in the mainstay of its tribes. The Lord has mingled a perverse spirit in, their, in her midst. And they have caused Egypt to err in all her work. As a drunken man staggers in his vomit, neither will there be any work for Egypt, which the head or tail, palm branch or bulrush may do. In that day, Egypt will be like women and will be afraid and fear because of the waving of the hand of the Lord of hosts, which he waves over it. And the land of Judah will be a terror to Egypt. Everyone who makes mention of it will be afraid in himself because of the counsel of the Lord of hosts, which he has determined against it. In that day, five cities in the land of Egypt will speak the language of Canaan and swear by the Lord of hosts, one will be called the city of destruction. In that day, there will be an altar to the Lord in the midst of the land of Egypt and a pillar to the Lord at its border. And it will be for a sign and for a witness to the Lord of hosts in the land of Egypt, for they will cry to the Lord because of the oppressors. And he will send them a savior and a mighty one, and he will deliver them. Then the Lord will be known to Egypt, and the Egyptians will know the Lord in that day, and will make sacrifice and offering. Yes, they will make a vow to the Lord and perform it. And the Lord will strike Egypt. He will strike and heal it. They will return to the Lord and he will be entreated by them and heal them. In that day, there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria and the Assyrian will come into Egypt and the Egyptian into Assyria and Egyptians will serve the, with the Assyrians. In that day, Israel will be one of three with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the land whom the Lord of hosts shall bless saying, blessed is Egypt, my people and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my inheritance. Isaiah 20. In the year that Tartan became, sorry, in the year that Tartan came to Ashdod, when Sargon, the king of Assyria, sent him, and he fought against Ashdod and took it. At the same time, the Lord spoke to Isaiah, the son of Amos, saying, Go and remove the sackcloth from your body, and take your sandals off your feet. And he did so, walking naked and barefoot. And the Lord said, Just as my servant Isaiah has walked naked and barefoot three years for sign and a wonder against Egypt and Ethiopia, so shall the king of Assyria lead away the Egyptians as prisoners and Ethiopians as captives, young and old, naked and barefoot, with their buttocks uncovered, to the shame of Egypt. Then they shall be afraid and ashamed of Ethiopia, their expectation, and Egypt, their glory. And the inhabitant of this territory will say in that day, Surely such is our expectation. Wherever we flee for help to be delivered from the king of Assyria, and how shall we escape? Hmm. Isaiah 21. The burden against the wilderness of the sea. As whirlwinds in the south pass through, so it comes from the desert, from a terrible land. A distressing vision is declared to me. The treacher treacherous dealer deals treacherously, and the plunderer plunders. Go up, O Elam. 
besiege O Media. All its sighing I have made to cease. Therefore, my loins are filled with pain. Pangs have taken hold of me with the pangs of a woman in labor. I was distressed when I heard it. I was dismayed when I saw it. My heart wavered. Fearfulness frightened me. The night for which I longed, he turned into fear for me. Prepare the table, said a watchman in the tower. Eat and drink. Arise, you princes. Anoint the shield. For thus says, thus the Lord has said to me. Go, said a watchman. Let him declare what he sees. And he saw a chariot with a pair of horsemen, a chariot of donkeys and a chariot of camels. And he listened earnestly with great care. And he cried, a lion, my Lord. I stand continually on the watchtower in the daytime. I have sat at my post every night. And look, here comes a chariot of men with a pair of horsemen. Then he answered and said, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. And all the carved images of her gods, he has broken to the ground. Oh, my threshing and the grain of my floor, that which I have heard from the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I have declared to you. The burden of Duma. He calls me out of Seir. Watchmen, what of the night? Watchman, what of the night? The watchman said, the morning comes and also the night. If you will inquire, inquire, return, come back. The burden against Arabia. In the forest in Arabia, you will lodge. Oh, you traveling companies of Danites. Oh, inhabitants of the land of Tema. Bring water to him who is thirsty. With their bread, they meet him who fled. For they fled from the swords, from the drawn sword, from the bent bow, and from the distress of war. For thus the Lord said to me, within a year, according to the year of a hired man, all the glory of Kedar will fall. And the remainder of the number of archers, the mighty men of the people of Kedar, will be diminished. For the Lord God of Israel has spoken it. Isaiah 22. The burden against the valley of vision. What ails you now that you have all gone up to the housetops? You who are full of noise, a tumultuous city, a joyous city. You slain men are not slain with the sword nor dead in battle. All you rulers have fled together. They are captured by the archers. All who are found in you are bound together. They have fled from afar. Therefore, he said, look away from me. I will weep bitterly. Do not labor to comfort me because of the plundering of the daughters of my people, for it is a day of trouble and treading down and perplexity by the Lord God of hosts in the valley of vision, breaking down the walls and of crying to the mountain. Elam bore the quiver with chariots of men and horsemen and Kir uncovered the shield. It shall come to pass that your choicest valleys shall be full of chariots and the horsemen shall set themselves in array at the gate. He removed the protection of Judah. You looked in that day to the armor of the house of the forest. You also saw the damage to the city of David, that it was great. And you gathered together the waters of the lower pool. You numbered the houses of Jerusalem and the houses you broke down to fortify the wall. You made a reservoir 
between two walls for the water of the old pool, but you did not look to its maker, nor did you have respect for him who fashioned it a long time ago. And in that day, the Lord God of hosts called for weeping and mourning, for baldness and for girding with sackcloth, but instead joy and gladness, slaying oxen and killing sheep eating meat and drinking wine. Let us drink, for tomorrow we die. Then it will be revealed in my hearing by the Lord of hosts. Surely for this inquiry, there will be no atonement for you, even to your death, says the Lord of hosts. Thus says the Lord God of hosts, go, proceed to this steward, to Shebna, who is over your house and say, what have you here and whom have you here that you have hewn the sepulcher here as he who hews himself a sepulcher on high, who carves a tomb for himself in a rock. Indeed, the Lord will throw you away violently. O mighty man, I will surely seize you. I will surely turn violently and toss you like a ball into a large country. Therefore, Sorry, there you shall die, and there your glorious chariots shall be the shame of your master's house. So I will drive you out of your office, and from your position I will pull you down. Then it shall be in that day that I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah. I will clothe him with your robe, strengthen him with your belt. I will commit your responsibility into his hand. He shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah, the key of the house of David, I will lay on his shoulder, so he shall open, and no one will shut. And he shall shut, and no one shall open. I will fasten him as a peg in a secure place, and he will become a glorious throne to his father's house. They will hang on him all the glory of his father's house, the offspring and the posterity, all the vessels of small quantity from the cups to all the pitchers in that day says the lord of hosts the peg that fastened in the secure place will be removed and be cut down and fall and the burden that was on it will be cut off for the lord has spoken tough words chapter 23 the burden against tear Wail, you ships of Tarshish, for it is laid waste, so that there is no house, no harbor. From the land of Cyprus it is revealed to them. Be still, you inhabitants of the coastland, you merchants of Sidon, whom those who cross the sea have filled, and on great waters the grain of Shehor, the harvest of the river, is her revenue, and she is the marketplace for the nations. Be ashamed, O Sidon, for the sea has spoken. The strength of the sea saying, I do not labor nor bring forth children, neither do I rear young men, nor bring up virgins. Hmm. When the report reaches Jerusalem, they will also be in agony at the report of Tyr. Cross over to Tarshish, wail you inhabitants of the coastland. Is this your joyous city? Hmm. Whose iniquity is from the ancient days? whose feet carried her far off to dwell, who has taken his counsel against Tyr, the crowning city, whose merchants are princes, whose traders are honorable of the earth. The Lord of hosts 
has purposed it to bring dishonor and pride of all glory, to bring into contempt all the honorable of the earth, overflow through your land like the river. O daughter of Tarshish, there is no more strength. He stretched out his hand over the sea. He shook the kingdoms. The Lord has given a commandment against Canaan to destroy its strongholds. And he said, you will rejoice no more. O you oppressed virgin daughter of Sidon, Arise, cross over to Cyprus. There also you will have no rest. Behold the land of the Chaldeans, this people, which was not, Assyria founded it. For wild beasts of the desert, they set up the towers, they raised up its palaces, brought up its ruin. Wail, you ships of Tarshish, for your strength is laid waste. Now it shall come to pass in that day. A tear will be forgotten. Seventy years, according to the days of one king. At the end of 70 years, it will happen to tear as in the song of the harlot. Take a harp, go about the city, you forgotten harlot. Make sweet melody, sing many songs that you may be remembered. And it shall be at the end of 70 years that the Lord will deal with tear. She will return to her hire and commit fornication with all the kingdoms of the world on the face of the earth. Her gain and her pay will be set apart for the Lord, and it will not be treasured nor laid up for her gain, will be for those who dwell before the Lord to eat sufficiently and for fine clothing. Isaiah 24. Behold, the Lord makes the earth empty and makes it waste, distorts its surface and scatters abroad its inhabitants. And it shall be, as with the people, so with the priests, as with the servant, so with his master, as with the maid, so with her mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the borrower, as with the creditor, so with the debtor. The land will be entirely emptied and utterly plundered. The Lord has spoken his word. The earth mourns and fades away. The world languishes and fades away. The haughty people of the earth languish. The earth is also defiled under its inhabitants because they have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, the curse has devoured the earth and those who dwell on it are desolate. Hmm. The new wine falls, the vine languishes, all mercy hearted, <clears throat> all, sorry, all merry hearted sigh. The mirth of the tambourine ceases, the noise of the jubilant ends, the joy of the harp ceases. They shall not drink wine with a song. Strong drink is bitter to those who drink it. The city of confusion is broken down. The house is shut up so that none may go in. There is a cry for wine in the streets. All joy is darkened. The mirth of the land is gone. In the city of desolation is left. The gate is stricken with destruction. When it shall be thus in the midst of the land among the people, it shall be the shaking of an olive tree, like the gleaning of the grapes when the vintage is gone. They shall lift up their voice. They shall sing for the majesty of the Lord. They shall cry aloud from the sea. Therefore, glorify the Lord 
in the dawning light. For the name of the Lord God of Israel in the coastlands of the sea. From the ends of the earth we have heard songs. Glory to the righteous. But I said, I am ruined, ruined. Woe to me. The treacherous dealers have dealt treacherously. Indeed, the treacherous dealers have dealt very treacherously. Fear and pit and, and the snare are upon you, O inhabitants of the earth. And it shall be that he who flees from the noise of the fear shall fall into the pit. And he who comes up from the midst of the pit shall be caught in the snare. For the windows from on high are open and the foundations of the earth are shaken. The earth is violently broken. The earth is split open. The earth is shaken exceedingly. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard and shall totter like a hut. Its transgression shall be heavy upon it and it will fall and not rise again. It shall come to pass in that day that God will punish on high the hosts of exalted ones and on the earth kings of the earth. They will gather together as prisoners are gathered to the pit and will be shut open in the prison. In many days they will be punished. Then the moon will be disgraced and the sun ashamed for the Lord of hosts will reign on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem before his elders gloriously. I'm going to stop here. Um, we read a good portion of scripture today, continuing our reading of the book of Isaiah. Now, if you read this book and you read it in a vacuum, you can go so many directions. If you read this book and you read it in a vacuum, you're going to say, well, what is this talking about? What is this pointing to? What is this referring to? Is he talking about me? Is this the future? Is this now? Is, was this in the past? What's going on here? This doesn't sound sweet. <laughs> this doesn't sound very attractive. This doesn't sound very pleasant. I will bet money. I'm not a betting man, but if I were a betting man, I would bet money that if you're one of those Bible readers who like to highlight your text, you got no highlights over here. <laughs> I want to I wanna bet some money that if you're like one of those people who love to highlight, underline, scribble, circle, you know, because I, I, I got that. I just got, you know, so I have this Bible here and this Bible is, um, I love it. It's just beautiful. I don't know if James is still on here, but um, I have a few other friends of mine, other pastor friends of mine, ministers who they come and they're like, man, this Bible right here, man, it's beautiful. And I love like highlighting it. I love underlining it. I love doing that. But this one is just so beautiful that I just kind of stopped doing that. And I don't really underline as much as I used to in my other Bibles. If you see some of my other Bibles, I'll go through a Bible and scribble all over it. Circle words and underline them. Color code my underlining. I used to do all of that. that it's all good. This one is too beautiful, so I don't really do it. But if I were still the underlying man, the guy who likes to circle, the guy who likes to highlight, and I'm sure there's some of you here, 
You probably don't have many underlines and many highlights in this part of the text. <laughs> I just, I just, I'm just going to bet. Just go bet on that, okay? I'm hearing from the Lord today <laughs> concerning you. Um, just a little bet. Because you read this and it's like, what does this apply to? What does this point to? What's the purpose of this? I, you know, I'm reading this and man, it doesn't seem very, it doesn't seem very encouraging. You know, it doesn't seem sweet. It doesn't seem like I don't have a word of encouragement here. You know, I, I don't have a, a, a word of wisdom here. I don't have any insight here. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see anything here that would directly apply to me. Maybe I can dig in and stretch out and see how this applies to me. But I've said this before and I'll say this again. Before you could talk about how this applies in any way or what wisdom or insight comes from it, you have to back up first and read it from the perspective of the person that's writing it to the people that that person is writing it to. That brings revelation to the truth of what the scripture is actually saying and what it's actually pointing to. The book of Isaiah, you cannot read in a vacuum. You cannot read it in, you know, its own little bubble. It's not a book separate of everything else we've read in the Bible. As a matter of fact, it's overlapping a lot of what we've read in the Bible. If you've read it with us and you've been journeying with us in the read and rant and you've been reading, you know, uh, you've been reading through um, first, uh, you know, Judges, then, um, you know, first and second Samuel and you've read through first and second Kings and you've read through first and second Chronicles and you've read Ezra with us and you've read Nehemiah with us. You would see where Isaiah fits because Isaiah kind of sits on top of that. Isaiah kind of sits on top of that and gives us a perspective of what was transpiring in that time. This is the time that Isaiah is being written. And Isaiah is prophetically speaking into the things that are to come for the children of Israel. Speaking into the things that are about to transpire. Things that we now have read in the text and read through the scripture. A lot of stuff that we're reading here, Isaiah, well, that, that we read before, Isaiah was pointing to this already. He was speaking into this already, speaking about the things that would transpire. As Ethiopia, Assyria, Babylon, these nations taking over Israel and bringing Israel into captivity. And so I talked about this yesterday, that <clears throat> when you read through the book of Isaiah, uh, not yesterday, Two days ago, sorry about that. Not yesterday, but two days ago. The one thing that really sticks out from that text is that God is so about his kingdom that he's established a system, a righteousness, a justice in which the only thing that will stand in the end is his kingdom. And I pointed to this reality that every kingdom is temporary. That's right. Every kingdom is temporary. Every empire is temporary. Every sovereignty that you see on the earth is temporary. Yes, in the way that Babylon was temporary, 
in the way that the empires in Ethiopia were temporary, in the way that the empires in Egypt were temporary, in the way that the Roman Empire is temporary or was temporary. The same way even our empires today are temporary. They're temporary because they run on a source and a system that cannot last. Greed, power, money, pleasure, gratification, influence, all these things, these kingdoms have been established on them. Idolatry, you name it, control, yes, all these things that these empires were built on, they're built on things that will not last. And I'll say this, and this sound, this may make me sound radical, it may make me sound, there's no kingdom now on earth that will stand. That's right. As much as you think that America is the greatest nation in the world, it will not stand forever. As much as you would like to think, well, the next empire, China had its empire. China had its moment. Isn't it funny how every nation has its moment? And it's a cyclical start and end. Kingdoms are built and then kingdoms fall. They are built and, they're f and they fall. And isn't it funny how they're all built the same way and how they all seemingly fall the same way? doesn't matter how great of a country you're in, it's temporary. America, temporary. Something may come after that. And something may come after that. But there's one kingdom that will stand forever. And that's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God will stand forever forever. And here was the thing is that Israel was given a specific task. Israel was given the specific task of bringing revelation of the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, it was never meant to be the kingdom of Israel. How do we know that? We know that because remember that God didn't see establishing a king in Israel as the plan, he saw it as a contingency because of the sin of the people who wanted for there to be a king. So out of God's disdain, he called Samuel to anoint a king. And notice they anointed kings and not one of them stood. You want to know why? Not a single one of them stood because they all eventually were influenced by the very principalities the cultural streams, the influences of the nations that surrounded them. They became like the pagan nations. And so the kings all fell to the same demise. If you notice and you read, if you read through the text, 
And I love when people say, well, you know, the children of Israel, Israel, Israel was chosen by God. But notice Israel continued to fall, continue to fall. And so here, Isaiah, what he's doing is, is Isaiah is pointing into, this is what's happening. Babylon will fall. Egypt will fall. Ethiopia will fall. Assyria will fall. Syria will fall. These nations will fall. Tyre will fall. And so Isaiah is going through right now all the nations who are exalted and yet they all fall. And that's where we got to last time. That was a conclusion we got to. And so you ask me today, as you read this, you say, well, okay, pastor, we got it. And I kind of gave you a heads up that as we're reading through, we're getting through. And what you're reading about is Isaiah speaking into the fall of these nations, the fall of these nations. There are two things happening here. I'm going to get to my point because I got to leave in a little bit. There are two things happening here. We always see the activity of governments and people in power and people in influence. We see the maneuvering and the manipulation. We see how they govern and rule. We see how they, you know, move. We see politics. Anybody who's actually, anyone who has a bone of wisdom, insight, and understanding will look at the political scene and say, this is all manipulation. And they'll look at the sphere and say, there are other things at play here. And so while you see all this happening, economies and governments and institutions, we see all this happening here. We see economies, we see governments, we see all that. We see everything that's going on, everything that's transpiring. We see agendas. We see all of that. But there's something else going on. You see, it's funny to me how we don't see the intelligence behind the system. It's funny to me how we don't see that there's other forces at play. There are other things going on. I'm just pointing. I'm pointing to something here because I don't want to get ahead of myself because Isaiah is going to bust it wide open in a, mo in, 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 in a few more chapters. Isaiah is going to bust it wide open. But right, right now what Isaiah is saying is, he's saying, look at what you see. And he's saying, tell me that you don't see continuity in this. Look at what you see and tell me you don't see that there's an influence behind all this. Look at what you see and tell me that there isn't something bigger at play, something bigger at stake. Tell me, seeing what you see, that you don't see that this is just a part of a much bigger story, part of a much bigger agenda, part of a much bigger plan, there's a war happening in a realm that we cannot see. Oh, there's something at play in a realm that we cannot see. And Isaiah can see it. 
Isaiah can see it. And because Isaiah can see it, Isaiah is putting on paper what he sees. And he's saying, while you guys think that this is what this is all about, let me tell you what's actually happening. And so Isaiah is speaking into things that are about to come because of the prophetic insight and wisdom that he has concerning not only his conviction about what God has called Israel to be and what God has called Israel to become, because he knows the heart of God, the will of God, the mind of God. He knows that he has already entered into the presence of God. We just read this in Isaiah chapter six, where we see that he enters into the throne room when he comes before God and there he sees who he is. And even when he sees who he is, God puts a hot coal over his mouth and he puts a hot coal and reveals to him that I'm going to use you even in your impurity. I'm going to purify your mouth so that you can speak and reveal the things that are happening and transpiring in the realm that nobody's looking at. Because everybody's not looking to see that there's a spiritual dimension to this. Can I just do one quick little side note and one quick little thing? I find that when people talk about the spiritual or they talk about spirituality, what they're talking about is self-glory and self-help. I find when people are talking about the spiritual, they're actually just talking about the emotional. Or when they're talking about the spiritual, they're talking about the deeply emotional. They're not understanding that the spiritual cannot be spiritual apart from God. God is spirit. And they that worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth. Apart from God, Yahweh, there is no spiritual you can call it self-help. You can call it self-glory. You can call it, there is no spiritual apart from God. Yahweh, Elion, the great I am. But when we talk about the spiritual, and I know we don't have enough time to speak into this because this is where it gets real, you know, this is where people start going, oh, well, wait, hold on. Wait, what? Because there are, I like that you just mentioned that there are angels and there are demons and there are all these other things and all these other beings and, and they all do not exist apart from God. And yet there's a war happening in this realm. Isaiah is bringing to light the very reality that God is executing his justice and his judgment and his justice has nothing to do with your power, your comfort, your ability has nothing to do with sometimes when we call our inherent rights or my, my, you know, my, my, my own self actualization and my own ideation of my own self and all that. No, no, that's not what it is when he's talking about what he's about to accomplish and about to do. This is all about his glory. This is all about his glory. And this is all about God establishing a kingdom. I know I'm going, I know this is, is digging in because this is just a prelude about where things are about to go. This is just a prelude to help you understand what's about to transpire moving forward. 
Because we read this and we see the earth being violently shaken, the earth being split open. We see the, 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 the buildings that are being destroyed, cities being brought to desolation. We see in the text as we're reading here, the proclamations that are being made against Tyr, this once joyous city that now is about to be destroyed. We see it and we see all these things transpiring, not realizing that this judgment is about an ushering of something new. This is about God doing something new because these kingdoms cannot stand and they will not stand. So I'm going to leave you with this thought and then we're going to call it. But I want to leave you with this thought because this is going to leave us all in attention today. Is this. What does the kingdom of God look like? <laughs> what is the kingdom of God? What is this government that is to be established? What, what, what does it mean to say or to speak a statement like Jesus is king? What does that even mean? We like throwing words around, but do we even know what that means? What is this kingdom? Let me give you a little, let me, let me point a little something out to you. I'm going to take it to Jesus for a moment. Cause here's what you're going to realize as we read the text. And I know I'm going to, um, I'm kind of giving a little bit of a spoiler here, but Isaiah is actually talking about Jesus. And what Isaiah is actually pointing to is he's pointing to Christ. Isaiah is just setting the, setting the stage for Jesus. That's what Isaiah is doing. Okay. Isaiah. So that's just a prelude. So I'm going to mention Jesus for a moment and point and have you think about something for a second. All right. Um, when Jesus spoke to the disciples, he brought up this term, the kingdom of God. You know, people say, well, you know, Jesus, his message was love. Yes, it was. It was love. But Jesus spoke about the kingdom. And that's all Jesus spoke about. And he used all these analogies to describe the kingdom because the kingdom was such a profoundly abstract and obtuse idea. You know, he would say the kingdom of God is like the kingdom of God is like he would never give you a direct definition of the kingdom of God. He just kept telling you what the kingdom of God is like. This hidden kingdom, this unseen kingdom, this kingdom of God. And of course, the disciples in their mind, they're thinking to themselves, well, if it's the kingdom of God, then OK, you know, they're thinking the liberation of Israel. That's what they're thinking. They're thinking Jesus is going to come up in here. He's going to wreck the house. He's going to lead an army. We're going to go in and we're going to push the Roman Empire out of Jerusalem, push them out of occupation in, in Israel. And we're finally going to get to be a nation again. And we're going to rise to prominence because they read the same books that we're reading right now. Reading Isaiah. Because for all of them, they were waiting 
for the coming of a kingdom. They were waiting for God to restore Israel. That's what they were waiting for. They were waiting for that moment. This is all they were. They were aspiring for the coming of the kingdom of Israel. That's what they wanted. And so now the disciples are like, yo, we got Jesus and Jesus is about to, man, Jesus is about to do this thing. Jesus is about to turn all this around. Jesus is about, man, this is about to get real. This is about to get turned. Man, we're going to, we're going to take over. We're going to get. And then Jesus says to the disciples, my kingdom is not of this world. And I'm like, I wonder what the disciples were thinking at that moment. Because up to that point, you know what they were thinking about when they thought about kingdoms? Kings who rule over a nation, governments, palaces, economics, armies, cities, walls. That's all they were thinking. And then Jesus says to them, my kingdom is not of this world. And I bet they were going, what is he saying? Does anybody, I bet I can, I can see right now, Andrew and Peter looking at each other going, what, what is he, what does he mean by that? Can somebody, hey, somebody translate. What did he just, he just, he's been talking about the kingdom. Now he's saying it's not of this world. Like it's not here. It's not. I'll make it real simple. When he says his kingdom is not of this world, he's saying you can't see his kingdom. And then he tells them the kingdom is in you. The kingdom is in you. So the kingdom that won't stand forever is the one that you can see because the things that we see are temporal, but the things that we cannot see, that's Bible y'all, are eternal. And he's saying the kingdom that you can't see that will last for eternity, that will prevail, that will overcome all the forces of evil, that will bring justice, that will bring righteousness, that kingdom is actually in you. I'm getting ahead of myself. Well, the reason I'm doing that is because I'm, like I said, you guys are just eavesdropping into my, just my reading this morning as I'm just, I'm kind of just helping you and, and, and participating with you so you can see where my mind is, to put your mind where my mind is. And I'm trying to get it all in because, you know, we don't have the time to do it. But if you can just for a moment, think about this and ask, if he says my kingdom is not of this world, and that his kingdom comes and that his kingdom is already here. And he tells Pilate as Pilate is interrogating him, debating on whether or not to crucify him and put him on a cross. This is God in the flesh, y'all to put him on the cross. And he says, you're looking around, I paraphrase. I'm going to do it in my in Isaac speak. You're over here looking around, looking for the kingdom, floating, and you're kind of just looking around, and you're asking me if I'm a king, and I'm telling you I am a king. 
in my kingdom and you're and you're, and you're like where's this kingdom because you think the kingdom is a location you think the kingdom is a place and he's like the kingdom is in you of course Pilate walks out and says man this guy this guy's no threat to nobody because he didn't even see it either so I'm just going to leave you with a thought if the kingdom that is coming is already here. How is it coming and it's already here? How is the kingdom that is coming already here? It's here because it's in you. It's coming because it's not lived out of you. It's here because it's in you. It's coming because it needs to be expressed out of you. And he tells Pilate the kingdom is in you. He didn't say it's in the children of Israel. He said it's in you. <laughs> it's in you, but it's coming. It's so, so then this kingdom, how does it come? How does it, how does it come to fruition? How does it, how does it, how does it happen? How does this kingdom happen? Ready? Jesus showed you how it happened. Jesus was actually a manifestation of the kingdom. Jesus showed you what it means to be a king. He didn't show you being a king was about power. He didn't show you that being a king was about, um, um, you know, influence. He didn't show you that being a king was about being a Republican. He didn't show you that being a king was about being a Democrat. He didn't show you that being a king. No, he showed you this is how you be a king. When you suffer for those and serve those when you don't esteem yourself more highly than someone else. The kingdom comes into fruition when you love. The kingdom is manifest by love. The kingdom was at its pinnacle on the cross. The kingdom was expressed when Jesus was washing the disciples' feet. That was the kingdom. That's the rule. And that's the kingdom that will stand forever. And that's why his kingdom is above all kingdoms. And that's why his kingdom will stand forever. That's why we say that he is the king of kings. Because where kings will rise and fall, Christ will live on forever. And where kingdoms rise and fall, his kingdom will stand forever. 
And even when people decide to do what they want to do, however they want to do it, in whatever way they want to do it, they will fall. But Christ will reign forever. Jesus is king right now. And Jesus is not going anywhere. And the moment we begin to see the revelation of his kingdom in the hearts, in the lives of humanity, in that moment, we will see heaven finally meet earth. It's already here. We just haven't lived it out yet. It's already here, yo. Just put that in the chat. It's already here. <laughs> it's already here, y'all. Like, have the confidence to know that. The kingdom's already here. You're here. If you're here, the kingdom's already here. So now, when you leave today, whether you're going to work, whatever you're doing, whatever, the kingdom is already here. I'm not waiting for the kingdom to come. It's here. <laughs> I'm not waiting. It's here. And because it's here, it's coming. Why? Because I'm coming. <laughs> Why? Because it's being manifest through me. God wants you to manifest the kingdom of God today. I don't care if you're a nurse. I don't care if you're a doctor. You might be a janitor. You might be a restauranteur. You might be whatever it is that you are today. Bring the kingdom with you. Whatever you're doing today, bring the kingdom with you. Stop getting bogged down with all the stupid discussions and debates about, you know, whose policy is right. I know we've been going back and forth on who the next, you know, uh, circuit court judge or, or the next Supreme Court judge or the next district court judge. And we're sitting there debating about things that we honestly do not have control over. And yet we ourselves are the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God is in you. So be the kingdom of God where you go. Concern yourself with the things that God has sent you to do. You are an ambassador of the kingdom of God. You carry the presence and the power of God in Jesus Christ. This is why the church is the body of Christ, because if Christ is the embodiment of the kingdom and we are the body of Christ and we are the embodiment of the kingdom of God on earth. And let me tell you something right now where governments will fall, where institutions will fall, where where leaders will fall. It might be Putin. It might be whoever. We're concerning ourselves with Putin. Guess what? No matter how much power Putin seeks to amass, Putin will fall. No matter how much power any leader seeks to amass, they will fall. But there's one kingdom that will stand even after they fall, and it's the kingdom of God. So why do we concern ourselves in this way? Why are we so hopeless even in these moments and even in these seasons, do we not know who we are? Do you not know who you are? Ethiopia falls. Egypt falls. Assyria falls. Tyr falls. Sidon falls. Canaan falls. Babylon falls. Rome falls, China falls, the kingdom of God will stand forever. Father, we thank you even as
we close out today, Lord, let's be reminded, Lord, to set our eyes on things above, to fix our eyes on the things that are eternal, to see the things that are unseen, to focus on the things, Lord, that what you have called us to do and called us to be. Father, I ask, even as we um, read this today, let's not be hopeless, but hopeful. Let us know, Lord, that you are not done. Let us know, Lord, that you've already begun a good work. Let us know, Lord, that no matter how much the world is falling apart around us, how much it seems like there's COVID-19 and wars and all these things that are transpiring, and there's one thing we know is you have overcome the world. So we take confidence in that. We know that. We're not waiting. We're not waiting, but we're anticipating. We're not waiting, but we're actively living out your kingdom. So Father, teach us to live out your kingdom. Teach us to remove any temptation to be influenced by Lord, other kingdoms, other ideologies, other things. And Father, I just ask that you would just guide us and lead us to your path of righteousness, your path of justice, your justice, not ours. And we say that in your name we pray. Amen. Family, I love y'all. Love you guys. God bless you guys. I will see you guys tomorrow. We'll keep on reading. We will keep on reading. Thank you to all the patrons who support me on Patreon. Love y'all. You guys are amazing. Um, also, join my email list. The link is in the bio. I want to encourage you to join my email list. Text me as well. 954 231 one eight four eight nine five four two three one one eight four eight. You'll get a daily word of encouragement and any updates if that ever comes. As I mentioned before, we don't know how long these platforms will go for. The platforms will fall, but the kingdom of God will stand, right? <laughs> and so uh, let's stay connected. Okay, let's stay connected. Make sure you email me, send me, uh, sorry, not email me, but click the link in the bio to get connected with my email list. Subscribe to my email list. Um, I'm going to be using that really soon. Um, if you're on Patreon, you're already on my email list. So I haven't kicked it off yet, Mike. So if you're on Patreon, you're already on my email list. So don't worry about that. Um, of course, my patrons are my first go-tos. You guys are family, so I love y'all very much. And I thank you all very much for everything you do. But guys, I'm excited. I got some amazing news coming soon. So stay tuned. I'm going to be sharing it with you all. Uh, probably, we'll see. But we're, we're working it out. So I got to get going, but I love y'all. See you guys tomorrow. We'll keep reading. Remember today. His kingdom come, and it's already here. God bless y'all. Love y'all. Peace out.